Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Introvert Theater Podcast. This is Sergio. I hope everyone's doing well. So today we're going to talk about 1993's Batman Mask of the Phantasm. It was directed by Eric Radomski and Bruce Timm of the Batman the Animated Series fame, and starred Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill, Dana Delaney, Ephraim Zembleth Jr., Abe Vigoda, Bob Hastings, and Robert Costanzo. I think it's a unique little film, and it's still one to this day that I consider to be the best Batman film in any medium. Now, it was initially to be a direct-to-video movie, but Warner Brothers made a last-minute decision to put it out theatrically and give it a bit of a budget increase. This, unfortunately, led to a, a race for the writers and animators to sort of meet the deadline, and unfortunately there was a poor marketing which caused it to flop at the box office because of, sh- of such short notice. Now, what makes this film unique is that it does what no other Batman film has done to date, and that is that it, it tells a finely tuned emotional story in only 76 minutes. It's a tightly woven film, so every frame of animation has to count, and I honestly feel like it succeeds in that regard. In fact, it's impossible to take your eyes off of. This movie was released while the animated series was underway, so by this point as fans, we were already accustomed to the characters and their personalities, but what made this version of Batman unique was that it kind of explores what makes Batman and Bruce Wayne tick. You know, by this point, even maybe two seasons into the animated series, some fans kind of wondered what what was his calling because they never go over his origin story in the animated series. These questions were what drove the movie and made us feel even more for the character. It's the most human approach to the character and adds more depth to his origin story. This movie also introduces a character named the Phantasm, who is going around Gotham killing top mob bosses, all of whom are connected to Andrea Beaumont. Now, Andrea, as we come to find, was the love interest for Bruce. They meet at a cemetery when he overhears her talking to her dead mother. She tells Bruce that talking to her out loud helps her imagine what her mother's responses would be. And we see their romance grow through a series of flashbacks that are triggered when she um, returns to Gotham after having left not only Gotham, but Bruce Wayne many years ago. Through the, through the flashbacks, we also learn that her father was involved in, a, in an embezzlement scheme with the very same members of the mob that are being picked off one by one. So through these flashbacks, we also learn the extent of the relationship between both Andrea and Bruce and his struggles maintaining the relationship while trying to keep a promise uh, to keep Gotham safe. In fact, we get to experience Bruce's first attempt at stopping a robbery. It's a really exciting and entertaining scene because it's pre-Batman costume. So he's even more vulnerable and he's only wearing um, a black jacket and outfit and a ski mask, similar to what they copied in Batman Begins. He's actually nearly killed because of his inexperience, but he ends up stopping the attempted robbery. The rest of the film resolves itself like any good crime drama, as it kind of weaves in and out of flashbacks and 
some detective work by Batman. Even the Joker makes an appearance about midway through the film and becomes part of the story in an unexpected way, and that only adds to the lore in the most beneficial way possible. So, what makes this film work? It's a combination of a lot of things, really, and I could probably break it up into three categories, and that being story, animation, and the score. Starting with the story, the material is taken seriously, and really goes out of its way to make us sympathize with the characters. One scene in particular, and it's probably my favorite scene in any Batman film, has to deal with the birth of the Batman. In a flashback, we see Bruce exploring the caverns beneath Wayne Manor that would eventually become the Batcave. And Alfred is standing at the foot of the ladder as Bruce ascends from the cave, holding a note in a small box. And he has this sorrowful look on his face, and the body language here is just, just fantastic, because those kind of things you kind of really have to pay close attention to when it comes to animation. And... Bruce kind of grabs the letter and the box from Alfred, and he reads it, and he finds that it's a note from Andrea explaining that she suddenly had to leave town with her father, asking him to forget about her. The small box is actually an engagement ring that he's given her. We later come to find that Andrea and her father had to flee town as they hit a, as they had a, um, a hit put on them by the mob. The next scene is of Bruce, and he's in the cave, and he's completely suited up, minus the, the Batman mask. His cape kind of engulfs him, and he's covered in shadow. He extends his hand, and Alfred walks up to him and hands him the mask. And there's this... It's, it's just a silhouette that can be seen of Bruce holding the mask in front of him, and he just stares at it. And there's a slight hesitation, and he pulls it over his face, and these bright, white, empty eyes stare back at Alfred... And he just kind of shouts, my God. You know, he's, he's, he's looking back at this person who he no longer recognizes. You know, this is somebody that he's watched over since he was a child. And he just gets lost in this other creature. It's a somber moment, and it's, it's not exactly triumphant, which is pretty interesting. Andrea is someone that Bruce was willing to give um, a life of crime fighting up for. She was sort of his way back to reality in a normal life, so it's not so much a moment of defeat as it is acceptance. It's as if he was, you could say that it's as if he was destined to wear this costume. The animation is top-notch, and like the animated series, has a really cool art deco design that is reflective of a specific time period, but at the same time uh, remains timeless. The film's opening is actually one of my favorites also in any Batman film. It's, it's basically the camera moving around Gotham at night, highlighting the cityscape and grand architecture. It helps lend a sense of scale to the impossibly tall buildings in what is ultimately Batman's playground. I like the character designs in that they all have a good sense of weight to them. They're also very expressive, whether it's, you know, Bruce slumped over taking a moment to himself or... Andrea playing coy, or Alfred being somewhat condescending. Despite this being an animated film, the animation is just as expressive, if not more so, when compared to certain other films in the genre. Now, I can't talk about this movie without making mention of Shirley Walker's excellent score. 
it's exciting, it's bombastic, and it just has this large sound that just could fill a room with ease. It heightens the senses in a way that directly reflects not only what's going on in a specific scene, but at times reflects the psyche of certain characters when there's no dialogue. In the animated series, she and other composers created themes for each episode that would play throughout, and what she's done here is no different. This, in my opinion, is how superhero movies should sound, Batman films especially. Going back to the film's opening, the first thing we hear is a loud, percussive boom, followed by a, a rise in brass and wind instrumentation and a, and a choir, singing a Gregorian-style chant in a non-specific language, which is actually made up of the names of the performers who didn't make it into the, the credits sung backwards. The sound she creates for both this film and the animated series are iconic and definitive, definitive Batman in many ways. Naturally, I can't say enough good things about the performances in general, but Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy will forever be the voices at the Joker and Batman, respectively. They're still, to this day, often imitated, but their voices are the ones that I hear when reading a Batman comic. I can't recommend the movie enough. I think the takeaway and maybe, I guess the biggest takeaway from this movie is the emotional investments one could make from a cartoon and discovering that they're just as valid as anything committed to film. It's one of those films where you could truly get lost in a world that can't possibly exist yet seems familiar in certain ways. It's great when animation can at least take you out of your day-to-day -day and ask things like, um, let's say, whether Bruce's decision to become Batman was born of a selfish sentiment. There's a scene where he's actually at his parents' grave begging for forgiveness and permission to be with Andrea and to, you know, stop his crime-fighting pursuits. He's basically asking to break from his oath to his parents and... Um, give the cops more money and let them take care of things in Gotham. It's great that people care enough about the subject matter to put that much effort into the script. So with that, I think this is probably a good place to stop. I, th I think I would hope that I've expressed my love of this film in this short amount of time. I don't want to take up too much of your time, and I don't want to give too much away, because if you've never seen it, you're in for a treat. Um, so you can expect the next episode on Tuesday, August 17th. I'm not really too, too sure what movie to go over at that point, but I'll, for those that follow, I'll keep you posted on the Instagram account, which is at introvert theater. Uh, that said, uh, take care. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.